0: Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash VWV. This independent learning activity is funded by Janssen Incorporated.
1: Today, we'll be talking about frailty and the treatment of multiple myeloma patients. It's become a more important topic as we have a variety of treatments available for multiple myeloma patients, and it's important to understand how frail patients do with these new treatment options. Multiple myeloma is considered a disease of older adults with a median age of diagnosis at 69 years. Frailty has many definitions, but could be defined as a state of vulnerability to adverse health outcomes when exposed to an external stressor. Although frailty is sometimes age-related, advanced age does not equate to frailty, creating a heterogeneity in the aging process. The multiple myeloma treatment landscape is rapidly evolving, and frailty assessment is needed for the best outcomes for our myeloma patients. Dr. Mian, how do you assess frailty in your multiple myeloma patients?
0: Thank you, Dr. Saki, for that kind introduction. There's a number of tools that have been developed over the past few years. Many of you may have heard of the IMWG Filthy Score, which is the International Myeloma Working Group Filthy Score, which incorporates chronological age, comorbidities, activities of daily living, and independent activities of daily living. Now, it categorizes patients into three categories, fit, intermediate, fit, and frail. It's probably considered the gold standard in frailty measurements and probably has some of the most robust data. Now, in the past few years, there have been a number of additional frailty tools that have been developed as well. The simplified frailty scale takes the IMWG frailty score and still looks at age and comorbidities, but instead of ADLs and IADLs, it uses ECOG performance status and subsequently categorizes patients into non-frail and frail. And then there's other tools that have also been developed, such as the revised myeloma comorbidity index, which again incorporates renal function as well as lung function, as well as the Mayo Clinic frailty score, which is unique in that it incorporates the biomarker of nt BNP. So lots of different types of tools that are emerging in this clinical practice.
1: Thanks, Dr. Meehan. A lot of different ways to approach frailty in the assessment of multiple myeloma. You mentioned earlier, Dr. Mee, on some of the different frailty assessments and how you incorporate frailty assessments into your practice. Are there any
0: specific elements that you'd be able to mention today? So from all the different frailty tools that we've talked about, I would say the IMWG frailty tool is probably one of the most practical ones with lots of data behind it that we can use clinically. Again, that's probably the one that we could recommend. And if additional impairments are identified to them, then they can be further referred to geriatric. For further strategies of how to optimize.
1: Thanks, Dr. Me, and I think that's a great approach to assessing frailty in newly diagnosed patients with multiple myeloma, particularly those who are transplant-eligible. The Canadian guidelines for first-line treatment in frail multiple myeloma patients who are newly diagnosed have recently been published. It talks about treatment goals for overall survival and long-progression-free survival still being really important, with the increase in quality of life and tolerability playing a bigger role, particularly for frail patients. Dr. Mann, how are you approaching frontline treatment for fit versus frail
0: patients? So I would say, consistent with the guidelines published by the Canadian group, treatment should incorporate an anti-CD38. Now, for fit patients, we should always be thinking of a triplet regimen, and the most commonly one that's used in Canada, and the preferred one is duratumamab, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone. Now for frail patients, we still want to eventually get to a triplet if they're going to be able to really tolerate it. But there are options where one could potentially start off with a doublet therapy and then reassess frailty. And as soon as there's improvement or no toxicity, we work our way up to a triplet. And certainly even among frail older adults, incorporation of anti-CD38 is important.
1: It sounds like that's the great approach, Dr. meung to the fit versus frail patient with frontline treatment. Is there some data to talk about frail patients using CD38s?
0: Absolutely. We'll use one particular example from the Maya trial, which really established our current standard of care of daratumumab, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone, as it was tested in this large phase three trial with the comparator arm of lenalidomide and dexamethasone. Now, you can see the progression-free survival as well as the overall survival results for patients in the dera len group that were both fit, intermediate fit, and frail, as well as total non-frail and frail. And at each of the time points, you can see that overall, even frail patients benefited from the addition of daratumumab to that backbone of lenalidomide and dexamethasone. So really highlighting that even in frail patients, we should eventually try to get to a triplet regimen as much as that's possible. Now, we know that they still have good outcomes, but frail older adults still experience higher rates of toxicity. Treatment-emergent adverse events, as well as treatment discontinuation rates, are higher in frail older adults. So that means, again, we want to get to a triplet where we want to ensure that we are vigilant about toxicity. Daratumumab, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone really is the preferred option for our transplant-ineligible patients But we know there's other anti CD38 incorporating regimens as well. One additional clinical trial evaluated daratumumab in a combination with our previous old standard of care BMP are often substituted for in Canada. Most often, cybor-D, so cyclophosphamide, bortezomib, and dexamethasone. And again, similar analysis showing that even among frail groups, that the addition of anti CD38 is important and does improve outcomes. And again, we do need to be vigilant about some of these toxicities when we incorporate anti-CD38 on top of our existing backbones.
1: Thanks, Dr. Meehan. That was a great summary of where we are in clinical trials with anti-CD38 monoclonal antibodies. So just to sum up a little bit of the data, both Maya and Elsion trials demonstrated a consistent benefit with the use of anti-CD38 monoclonal antibodies in both the frail and the non-frail population. However, as you so nicely pointed out, the magnitude of benefit was lower among the frail population versus the fit population in both of those trials. Problem comes into the differences in both the definition and the categorization of frailty and lots of variations in prevalence of frailty and its potential impact on outcomes. Now that we know that somebody's frail, how are we modifying treatments to ensure
0: outcomes but less toxicity? Thank you, Dr. Stacky. If have someone who is frail, one of the easiest things to do is be really careful with that dexamethasone dosing. Often start off low and then see, does your patient need ongoing dexamethasone or is there room for further reducing it once you've had good disease control. I think we start to think about it with other drugs as well, and what we really need to remember are supportive care measures. So How can we ensure that all of those things, such as having antibiotic, antiviral prophylaxis, or potentially good responsiveness to any low-grade infections, this phosphonates goes into the treatment plan for these older adults, especially the older frail adults, to really optimize their care? So really, frailty is kind of a pathway to really uncover a lot of these deficits and then potentially optimize care. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of good, robust evidence base about what it is that we should do. How should we exactly modify the doses if someone is frail versus fit? So, I do think there's a need for additional clinical trials to evaluate that. And there are some large phase three studies going on, which again will look at that concept.
1: Those are great practical recommendations. So, thanks, Dr. Meehan. So, to summarize what we talked about today, as multiple myeloma treatments continue to evolve, Patients are older when they're diagnosed. An assessment of frailty is becoming really important for tailoring treatment so that we can get best outcomes for patients without the toxicities. We've heard today the importance of measuring frailty, identifying some of the deficits that patients may have that we might not have uncovered otherwise. And I think that that will really help us tailor treatment with a lot of the new upcoming management options for patients with multiple
0: myeloma. Thank you, Dr. Stack. You could not agree more, and thank you so much for summarizing all the important points. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.